Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the word. We're glad to have you. Tonight, we're going into part two of fighting against God. We've taken our text from both Acts chapter 5 and um, Acts chapter 7. And tonight, we're going to finish up the message on fighting against God. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get busy. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us. We yield ourselves, surrender ourselves, and sanctify ourselves to your voice. As the Holy Ghost reveals what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate, may we receive it. And then may we release it to the people so that we can be corrected, blessed, led, and guided into every ounce of truth that we can gather from you and your word. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Let's look back into Acts chapter 5 now. There I want you to notice again that the issue that arose with the apostles and disciples and then again with Stephen arose when a religious group saw what was happening as recorded in Acts chapter 5. So let's look (laughs) at verse 12 through 16. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter Passing might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Hi, Tammy. How are you guys doing? Things were happening around Jerusalem since the day of Pentecost that they had not seen since the ministry of Jesus. People were being ministered to in most miraculous ways. The people, of course, were amazed even though they stood off and watched what was happening. You know, that's the way it is when Pentecostal activity begins to materialize or when someone needs to have prayer for something that their church just doesn't do. You know, I've often in my ministry gotten calls from people saying, come and I need you to come and pray for this and so. They didn't attend my church. They didn't even darken my door. But they heard about a Pentecostal power. And so I've never turned down anyone 
who asked me to come and pray. Lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and go about doing the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So the people are amazed, even though they stand off. In our case, they may attend churches that do not teach a doctrine that has the full discourse of grace and the blood. They may go to a church that where grace, the only attachment they have to grace is that they have been saved. Never understanding or recognizing that grace and the blood are the most far-reaching, are the deepest, are the most boundless two agents that God uses in this day in which we live. And out of the Pentecostal experience came the ability to bring forth grace and the blood and see them manifest in the life by faith of someone you laid hands on and pray for. Now, of course, everybody is not getting that teaching on grace and the blood forming in you, and therefore, lacking that teaching, many people suffer. But my friend, if we would stop fighting against God, simply look into the truth of the Scripture, not take the word of those who are supposedly the learned. We're going to see more about that in just a minute. But yet looking into the Scripture for ourselves and finding truth, then we would be able to execute the things that God has promised us by the the. the uh, working together of grace and the blood and the bringing out of ourselves faith, we would find that we could minister in the spirit world in a supernatural way. But we fight against God. Of course, in the story we're reading from Acts chapter 5, the religious became indignant at what was happening. Now I want you to bear in mind the religious are not doing one thing in the spirit world. Not teaching anything in the spirit. They're not ministering to the people. They had laid at the gate of the temple for years. And nothing was going on. But when something went on, they wanted to question it. They wanted to question the validity of it. And they wanted to question the genesis of it. Even though they are unable to produce any of the power particles of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It would make you wonder, to what are they ministering? What word of God are they reading that would make grace and the blood and faith absent from the work of Jesus Christ. 
What ministry are we giving? No, what we are doing is fighting God. We are fighting God to maintain a mechanism of which we are comfortable. We have no input. We have no influence. We have nothing we can do. We are left to our intellectual ideologies. We're left to that. We're left to modern medicine. We're left to science. We're left to all of these things that the world has because the church in fighting God has no ability to bring forth power. Weak and beggarly. Why? Because we have fought God and we have put him on the seat outside the door and said, God, you and your doctrines aren't welcome here. You and your word are welcome only to the extent that we say the word works. No, my friend. No, no, no. These religious people in Acts chapter 5 became indignant because they could not produce just like our world today comes indignant whenever their message cannot produce. So what have they done? They've turned around and said about their message, we will just give you salvation. You say these words and we'll tell you you're saved and going to heaven and we'll clap our hands and say, we had so many that made a profession for Christ. The question isn't how many are professing. The question is, how many are living? That's a difference. So they became indignant and they went and got the apostles. And they put the apostles in prison. A lot like we've done today. We've taken the movement of the Spirit and we've said we don't want you in our church. We don't want any display of energy or power. We don't want any display of anything that would look like emotion. So they took the apostles and they put them in prison as if putting them in prison was going to stop the message. Why is this important? This was done by the leadership of the day. If the church world knew the message and the advantage that has been stolen by them, from them, by the doctrines of which they sit under every week, the turmoil and the struggle of which could have been averted and avoided had they had the desire to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit of God. But yet, the doctrine and the ministry is not taught. Among those religious groups today, just like then, we've produced some unrest. We've produced doctrinal unrest. We produce worship style unrest. That's a big issue in our world today. Worship style. What is acceptable in terms of how we go about setting the stage for worship? Then we've got dress. Dress is a problem in some churches. What we accept as correct attire. We have unrest. Here's a big one concerning love. We, how we administer love. The church is not at rest with that because we have many different 
ideologies and ideas, concepts about what the love of God is. We have unrest concerning who should preach. Should women preach? Should they fill the pulpit? We have unrest about that. Most of all, here's the big one. The biggest unrest in the church today is concerning the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, it does not take a genius to figure out that everything that they're doing in Acts chapter 5 and everything that Stephen was doing in Acts chapter 7 was all concerning the Holy Spirit, every bit of it. Stephen even said, you are stiff-necked and you're rejecting the acts and works of the Holy Ghost and even outlined the acts of the Holy Spirit throughout the Scripture. This here is our deepest fight. All of these, my friend, they're not workings of the lost. They're not workings of those that are living in darkness. They are the workings of those of us who profess light, enlightenment, and illumination from Jesus Christ. But somehow in the light the life, the light, and the illumination, that light only went so far in some people. Illumination only went to a certain extent in some church organizations. See? And then other illumination was wildfire and, 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 and light and enlightenment beyond what we are willing to accept into our church and into our worship services. Now, these issues in the church are related to life, light, and illumination. They are all in Jesus Christ, every bit of them. What did he say life, light, and illumination would bring you? Glory, salvation, grace, and truth. Bring you the entire package of Jesus. And my friend, frankly, in our intellect, we don't want to deal with life, light, and illumination that brings us glory, salvation, grace, and truth. We don't want to deal with that. Why? Because then we would have to live in a condition that was so close, so intimate with God that we would be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We would be able to cast down devils and we would be able to speak with new tongues. We would be able to handle the attacks of the world. We would be able to handle the attacks of our body. Yeah, we would be intimate. How? Because we would understand the workings of his name and we would produce his name. And then next week I'm going to preach about when Jesus prays, well, in three weeks, because we've got visit speakers coming the next two weeks. When Jesus prays, that'll be an interesting message. You don't want to miss it. Let's look at the storyline. Because they put them in prison. And the Holy, Holy Ghost came along and released them from their cap captivity. But did not mess with even unlocking the door of the jail. After they return now with a message of instruction from the Holy Ghost, 
which was a directive from Jesus Christ, we know that, they went to the synagogue and began to teach. And then they went looking for them and found them in the synagogue teaching. Now appearing again before the councils of the chiefs of the temple, the high priests, they spoke on the origin of their instructions and this is what we miss. The origin of your instruction, my friend, is not how you intellectualize the word of God. The origin of your instruction is not how you read and determine what it is in the word of God you're going to believe and you're not going to believe. You're going to develop as doctrine. You're not going to develop as doctrine. That, my friend, is not the origin of instruction. The origin of instruction is that you don't fight God, that you take the word of God for what the word of God means and you stop listening to people that are trying to tear apart the word of God, put it into a context, bring it into a modern day interpretation. My friend, let me tell you how this works. It is called divine revelation, divine wisdom, divine knowledge. Where does it come from? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. It comes from the ability of the Spirit of God to allow you to read the Word and see the divine revelation that is in it. You need no man that he can teach you, should teach you. You need none of that. For you have the anointing and it's in you. But we don't live there. Why? Because no one tells us we can live there. So here they are speaking of the original instruction. Now I want to ask you, what instruction is a doctrine that only preaches a portion of the Bible going to tell a spirit-filled person? What possible rules or regulation is one going to gather from his own intellect that would tell a spirit-filled person what and how they should live or what and how they should believe? What possible intellect is going to speak to a spirit-filled person and say, now wait a minute, I know more about this than you do. Really? If I'm operating from the inner man through the Spirit of God and my mind, will, and emotions have been purged and transformed and the Spirit of God is working through me and in me? No, you say, now wait a minute, that's not the way it works. That's not how this thing was divine, designed. Or well, that's not what Jesus taught. It's what you are teaching because that is a comfort level for you. But the Word of God didn't teach that. The Word of God actually decla declares that Jesus Christ will speak through you, to you, through the Holy Spirit and will show you things to come. Yeah, that's what the Word of God says, not what I say. So what is the issue here, Pastor Mike? You hear me preaching this and some of you become indignant at me and there have been some of you over the course of time that have turned off my podcast because I preach about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. You ain't hurting me. You don't bother me. 
If you like me or you don't like me, you're not fighting against me. You, my friend, are fighting against God. Not me. You can shut me down. You can turn me off. You can say I'm a heretic. You can do anything you want. You can uh, uh, say anything you would like. You can come and argue with me in the face and tell me that I'm this and I'm that. You ain't fighting against me, friend. I did not write the Bible. I am not the one that was spoken to and breathed upon by the Holy Ghost. The men that wrote the Bible were breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. And they are writing a word of God that is coming from Him so that you and I would have a pathway, a light, an illumination of life that would lead us into glory, salvation, grace, and truth that would give us the opportunity to know God and navigate this world in good cheer as an overcomer. So even if you don't agree with what I'm telling you, you're not agreeing or disagreeing with me as a person. My friend, you are fighting God. When you disavow and annul the work of the Holy Spirit, you are fighting God. You are not fighting me. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is the one that the Word of God said that Joel prophesied, that Peter picked up on, and that Jesus sent as the promise of the Father into the earth to remain in the earth so that he could speak to the believer using the Holy Spirit. That is the Word of God. That is not me. And if you deny that and you preach against it and you tell your people there's nothing to it, you are fighting God and weakening the church of God. That's where you are. You say you love God, but you are weakening the church of God. How could that be? Because absent of the move and the work and the fellowship of the Spirit, you will live, according to Paul, after your own lusts and your own affections. Now, if you would come into the Spirit world, you would begin to walk in the Spirit and then live in the Spirit, and Jesus Christ himself would speak to you and would lead you and guide you and direct you and show you things to come <coughs> and give you things to speak. But we are weakening the very people that we are saying we love. We look at them and say, I love you, but the only thing you can live in is grace. What a foolish thing. What a foolish thing. The one who told us about grace also told us about the work of the Holy Spirit. If grace had been at all there was, then Paul would not have told us about the order of the Holy Spirit. So we are weakening our own in what is happening. What is happening? The world is spinning and dying because the message is, watch it now, incomplete. It's incomplete. It's incomplete out of every church that preaches a message absent of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm telling you. It is incomplete. And when a message is incomplete, 
What happens? Those that are hearing the message become weakened. Why? Why are they weakened? Because an inroad into your mind is exposed. That's why Paul told us how to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. What did he include? On two occasions he included the Spirit. He included the Spirit twice. So in so doing, we arm ourselves to close the loopholes where the, the, the enemy would come in and make an inroad into your mind that would cause you to run off after an affection or a lust that would uh, uh, cause you to go off into a sin that besets you. My friend, we don't want to weaken the church of God. We don't want to weaken the word of God. We don't want to weaken the people of God. We want to strengthen the people of God. We don't want to fight against the message of God. We want to defend the message of God. How do we defend it? We defend it in its completeness, in its entirety, not in its partiality, not in what we determine that we're going to break it up, this is good, and that is bad. Come to our church because they're bad and we're good, even though we are weakening the people. The devil is not somebody's fool, my friend. He is looking to devour you. The promise of the Father was given by Jesus Christ for your own profit. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 7. For your own ability, for your own advantage. Stop fighting God. Stop fighting God. Stop fighting God. God is trying to get you to the position where you can be more than an overcomer. Not just an overcomer, but more than an overcomer. And the only way you're going to get there is to recognize that grace has a deeper reach, a broader width, a higher height than just to say you got saved. Grace is the avenue whereby favor comes, influence comes, the way God does things come, and the open window of heaven. Judgment of God in the open window of heaven all come to you through grace. Stop fighting God. My friend, stop fighting God. Stop looking to go to the place that is the most comfortable. That's what they were here in Acts chapter 5. All of those in the temple, the chiefs and the, the, the Pharisees and all of them that were in the temple, they were very comfortable because they were in a narrative where everybody in that narrative agrees. But then along came the apostles and the disciples. And they begin to operate out of something, a position of strength. That's what it was. They begin to operate out of a position of strength. Now notice this story. Because in this story, those that were operating out of a like-minded narrative came against them. What they did to them in their physical self was exactly what happens. They tore them up. They beat them. They put them in prison. 
They beat them when they got out. They threatened them. They scolded them. They told them what you know all of the things that those that are not spirit led would say. And they kept their narrative. The problem was those that had the truth did not operate from a position of weakness. They said, no, 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 no. We can't but tell. We can hear what you're saying, but we cannot do anything more than what God has told us to do. Well, now, wait a minute. What God has told them to do? What God has told them to do? Somehow, some way, they were being instructed about how to minister to the sick and the hurting and the dying. Somehow, some way, Peter's shadow passed over the sick and they were healed. Somehow, some way, the message that was being propagated through the Holy Spirit was astounding and astonishing the people. And that's what made them mad. That's what made them mad. That's what makes the church today mad. Whenever the message begins to be one that is full of power and anointing, when the message begins to be one that is seeing those that are sick healed, that is ministering the word of truth and illumination of the glory of, of God and the salvation that is in Jesus Christ coming out in grace and truth, that is so contrary to their partial message. My friend, we have a complete message in the Spirit of God. Not only do we have a complete message, but we have Jesus Christ himself speaking. Don't fight God. You need to go as soon as we finish. And you need to begin to pray. Father, forgive me for fighting you. Forgive me for living an incomplete life in the Spirit. Forgive me for relying strictly on saving grace. Forgive me for walking around with my head in the air saying I'm on my way to heaven. Forgive me for just saying I ain't going to hell. Forgive me for that because that is not the complete message of what Jesus Christ prescribed for me. He prescribed for me a life full of profit and advantage. He prescribed for me a life in the Spirit whereby I would be able to use the Spirit of God in every situation to manifest the directions and instructions of Jesus Christ. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God, for going to a dead church that preaches dead things. Messages that I've heard for 10 years, 20, however long I've been there, over and over, dated in my Bible, over and over again. Forgive me, God. Forgive me of following preachers who have no revelation and no insight. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God, of fighting you by staying in dead places. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. I don't want to be like Lot's wife. I don't want to stay around where destruction is coming and I don't want to look back into it and say that I want to see what happens behind me. No, no. I'm not going to fight you anymore, God. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to draw nigh unto you and I know 
that you are going to draw nigh to me. And I know that as I do, I'm going to come into the completeness of truth. And as I get into the completeness of truth, I'm going to learn how to be educated, how to be taught, and how to operate in the things of the Spirit in order and decently, in correct fashion. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk over out of partial living in Christ, over into the strength and the power and the anointing that comes in the Spirit of God. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to do. That's what my intention and purpose is. Now I've got to surround myself with people. Now I want you to get this because the Holy Ghost tells me I have to say this. When Paul taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he talked about people just like you. He said they're going to come in and you're going to need to minister to them in a way that they understand. Now once they understand, then the ministry can then become all of the things that it needs to become to edify and build the church. So Paul's talking about you. He's talking about you that have never been taught in the things of the Spirit. And he's telling us that we need to learn how to prophesy in order to speak in ways that they understand. But he's also telling us that should we ever speak in that heavenly language, we need to make sure that we interpret that so that you, the unlearned, can understand Now the unlearned cannot remain the unlearned. If they remain the unlearned, they are fighting God. The unlearned cannot remain the unlearned, my friend, because if they remain in the condition of disorder concerning the Holy Spirit, they are fighting the grand plan and design of God. I don't want you to do that. I want you to come into the completeness that is in Jesus Christ through the Spirit. My friend, stop fighting God. Stop living as a beggar. Stop living broken. Stop living bruised. Stop living blind. Stop living in bondage. Stop fighting God. He has designed a plan that He calls the promise of the Father, so that you can become in the spirit world more than you've ever dreamed with power because of His presence. And all you have to do is stop rejecting, stop rebelling and fighting God and begin to seek. And He is faithful to do what he said he would do. He will do it. He will minister to you. He will produce in you. You're going to have to stop fighting God. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people, that you will bless them, that you'll open their eyes that they can see, their ears that they can hear, their heart that they can know what the Word of God is saying to them. Bless them now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I see... um, uh, Joey and Susan and um, uh, Charles and uh, Tammy, all of you that have, have commented, listen, friends, listen to me closely. It's time to stop living a Christian life 
with partial tools. Time to stop it. We don't need to live without the tools that are required to do the job. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. That's why the book of Acts was written as it was. Now I want to tell you, if this thing would come to naught, we don't have to worry about it. But if we do anything, Gamaliel said, then we could be fighting a God. Now I want to remind you something. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was placed into the earth almost 2,000 years ago. It is still ongoing today. It is still working today. It is still surfacing in every hamlet, village, city. It is still coming about today. He said, if this thing is, is, is uh, not of God, it'll fail. But if it is of God, we better stop fighting it. And I look around, and we have multiple millions of people expressing a walk in the Holy Ghost. Multiple millions. And then we have many more millions living the Christian life on a partial idea. You don't need to be there. Stop fighting God. May God bless you until we speak again. Well, friends, may God bless you until we speak again. Find Him as Lord. Bring your plunder to Him. Lay it down. He will bring everything under that name that is exalted above everything. Find Him as the man in the Godhead. And there He will lead you and show you things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.